would pray for us in big church. Haley actually said this morning, I think we should have like junior children's church, children's church, mid-child or old child, older children's church, and then big church. Like she's trying to add more and more services to us. Uh, she, I guess she's believing for growth like the rest of us are. Uh, it's exciting. A new baby in the house this morning. Congratulations, Corinne and Brian. It's always exciting. And... Uh, and uh, Pastor Andrew, thank you for your team that served us parents so well. Friday evening, all of us parents that had the chance to go out. Yes, we're clapping. We got to drop our children off here. And they got to run wild. And we got to be free. It was wonderful. And uh, I'm hearing they're going to do it again next month. Right, Pastor Andrew? Uh, next month. And then the month after that. And the month after that, and then the third month is going to be an all-night stayover. Um, thank you. Wow. Oh, and all the parents said, yeah, there we go. We're good. Welcome. <laughs> Welcome to Living Way this morning. We're excited that you're here. And, uh, and we're just going to continue to have a great time as we study uh, the book of Ephesians. We've been on this journey walking through Ephesians. Ephesians, this letter written by Paul to the church, uh, which some would say just in Ephesus, but under... Uh, it's careful investigation and, and as many scholars would point that this book actually was more than just written to, uh, the letter was more than just written to Ephesus, but to the surrounding churches in the area in Asia Minor, that uh, it wasn't very specific in terms of what it was dealing with, uh, specifically within one church, but locally within the church and how this letter not only spoke then, but speaks to us today, and we're uh, looking forward to digging through it and continuing to study it. We've uh, we spent a number of weeks already. We've, in fact, spent seven weeks looking at chapters one through three. Hard to believe we've been doing it for that long, but for seven weeks we've been looking at chapters one through three, which is Paul's uh, beginning writing of this theological understanding of what God was doing, how God was redeeming his people. But not just Jews, Gentiles as well. In fact, Paul begins to unfold the plan that God had to bring us back into fellowship with him. He began to share how that plan is found in Jesus, in Christ. And he begins to unload this idea and this reality that we all have become adopted into his family. Into the family of God. That we've been adopted because of Christ. That we've been adopted into God's family and our heirs to his kingdom. And it's this incredible story that, that Paul's telling and unfolding this plan. And it's just like overwhelming. And we've been wrestling through it in our life groups as well as in church on Sunday. And then last week we kind of moved into chapter 4. Which seems to be this shift in the, uh, in the letter to this practical application of how we live out this New community that God's creating. Chapter 4 begins, and as Pastor Andrew shared, uh, it begins with this big idea of how do we find unity within community? How do we find unity within the body of Christ, the community that God's building? And as we continue on in chapter 4, we're going to wrestle through this morning, living as children of light. Living as children of light in the last Several verses in chapter 4, verses 17 through 32. Now, I need to ask you a, a very serious question here. How many of you love when you open your Christmas gift and it's brand new clothes? Anybody? 
Anybody willing to admit that? I sure am. I love all oh, this Christmas. This Christmas, my wife bought me three new dress shirts and two new blazers. And when I opened them at Christmas time, it was like, <gasps> I can't wait to put them on. And I, one's that Don Cherry blazer that I wore and everyone comments on. It's wonderful. I love it. And I just, I, I love new clothes. I, I love, um, maybe I'm a little strange, but I actually enjoy going shopping for new clothes. I just like having getting new clothes every once in a while because my old clothes get ratty and holes in them and they wear out and then you get these new clothes and they're like all proper and fit nice and they're not like baggy around the waist or have holes in them. Anybody else know what I'm talking about? No? Okay, I guess I'm alone on this one. Ladies, help me out here. You know what I'm talking about, right? Um, oh boy. Oh man. Can we rewind and start this over? Can you pause the recording, John? So, I'm just kidding. New clothes. I mean, and, and Paul is kind of beginning to talk a little about this new life. And, and he kind of parallels it a little bit to new clothes. So it's like, you have these old clothes that you have. You need to get rid of them. And you need to put on these new clothes that I've given you. And it's, it's actually really exciting. And they're actually really nice. And they fit proper. And they're, they're, they're comfortable. And they're not ratty or worn out and i know sometimes worn out clothes feel comfortable we'll talk about that but it's this new clothes that we put on in fact there's this uh, story i heard how a good set of clothes makes all the difference there was a, a methodist church and they tried to get this particular man in their community to attend their church and he would never come and they kept inviting him and inviting him and inviting him and he just would never make it he just he, he wouldn't walk in the door he wouldn't come he's so finally one day the minister came to him and he says sir i just need to ask you a question he says why why don't you why don't you come why don't you come to church i've invited you we're not scary we're friendly people why don't you just come to church and finally the man admitted and he said well, i just don't have the proper clothes to wear I said, okay, well, I'll help you out with that. So he went to another member of the congregation and that member of the congregation took this man out shopping and they went to this tip-top tailor's and they found this beautiful suit, this brand new suit, this brand new shirt, this brand new tie and shoes and he was all dressed and ready to go and he got dressed that morning and the man and the minister were expecting this man to show up at church and he wasn't there. And they're puzzled. And they're confused. So Monday morning, they went over to his house and they knocked on his door and they said, Sir, why didn't you come? We got you the clothes. You said you didn't feel right in those clothes you had. So we got you some clothes. Are you all ready to go? He says, Well, if I'm honest, when I put the clothes on, I look so good. I went to the Baptist church instead. It's humor. It's amazing what a new set of clothes can do, isn't it? Some of you go, I can't believe you said that in church. I'm saying, I did. I'm not picking on anybody. New clothes can make you feel a whole lot different. A new set of clothes can change your confidence, can change the way you feel about yourself. It's no, uh, it's no, uh, what do you call it? It's not, uh, I don't even have a word for that right now. They make TV shows about this. Remember that What Not to Wear on TLC? Oh my goodness, if you've ever watched that show. They take their wardrobe and they throw it all out. I'm afraid what they'd do to mine. 
And they go take them shopping and they have to fill this new wardrobe. I mean, new clothes can make you feel different. It's, a, it's amazing. And Paul begins to, to talk about this. And he continues that thought from the beginning of chapter 4 when he's talking about this community and finding unity within the community and how we need to grow up and we need to be more mature and we need to grow in our relationship with, with Jesus. And Paul's saying we need to be more and more like Christ. But we need to do that by changing who we are. We need to get rid of those, that old wardrobe. We need to get rid of those old clothes. And we need to put on this new outfit, this new set of clothes, this new life that I have for you. And it will change everything. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 17. Listen to these words starting here. With the Lord's authority, let me say this, Paul writing, with the Lord's authority, let me say this, live no longer as the ungodly do, for they are hopelessly confused. Their closed minds are full of darkness. They are far, far away from the life of God because they have shut their minds and hardened their hearts against Him. They don't care anymore about right and wrong. And they have given themselves over to immoral ways. Their lives are filled with all kinds of impurity and greed. But that isn't what you were taught when you learned about Christ. Since you have heard all about Him and have learned the truth that is in Jesus, throw off your old evil nature and your former way of life, which is rotten through and through, full of lust and deception. Instead, there must be a spiritual renewal of your thoughts and attitudes. You must display a new nature because you are a new person, created in God's likeness, righteous, holy, and true. So, put away all falsehood and tell your neighbors the truth, because we belong to each other. And don't sin by letting anger gain control over you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry, for anger gives a mighty foothold to the devil. If you are a thief, stop stealing. Begin using your hands for honest work, and then give generously to others in need. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, He is the one who has identified you as His own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of malicious behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God, through Christ, has forgiven you. Here's Paul writing this continuation of finding unity in the, in, within community. And he's saying, guys... There's something that needs to be different about you than the rest of the world. Not that you're better, but you've been transformed by Christ. Chapter 2 says that we've been made alive in Christ. That we once were dead. 
to our sins and transgressions or our, our old way of life. And we've been made new in this new way of life because of what Christ has done for us. So now Paul's getting practical. He's saying, friends, it's time. It's time. In fact, I would say he knows there's a process. He knows there's a journey that we're on. And he knows that we're being transformed, become more and more like Christ. But he's saying, friends, listen, friends, it's time for change. It's time for you to change. You can no longer be who you once were because of the new truth that you have in Christ. You now need to live in Christ in the new life that He's given to you. It's time for change, friends. It's time to change. It's time to stop being who you once were. It's time to be who He's called you to be. In the latter verses, in the previous verses in chapter 4, He says, Stop being immature. And basically grow up and become more and more like Christ. It's time for change. It's time for change. And and we need to begin that process, which takes time. But we need to begin to walk in that process so that we can be transformed into who God's created us and called us to be. It's time for change. Look, he says this in, uh, in verses 17 through 21. With the Lord's authority, Paul says this. I love it. With the Lord's authority, Paul says this. Live no longer as Gentiles do. Friends, it's time to change. Don't live the way that you used to live or don't live the way that the Gentiles do because you once were. But because of Christ, you're now made alive. No, live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. They're confused. They're hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life God gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against Him. Live no longer like the Gentiles do. And he's beginning to explain why. Because it's, it's hopeless. It's dark. Remember, he writes earlier in, in chapter 3, he says that, that, that we're without hope. Without God. This is what we were like. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander for far from the life God gives because they've closed their minds and hardened their hearts against Him. Friends, it's time to change. They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. Every kind of impurity. Saying, it is, you can't live this way with knowing the truth. You need to change. He says it here. But, again, if you like to underline or circle in your Bible, every time you read a phrase from Paul, and then it says, but, he's making a transition. It used to be this way, but now it's this way. But, that isn't what you learned about Christ. Now, that's not what you learned. That lifestyle is not what you learned when you heard the truth of Jesus, since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from Him, since you've heard about Jesus and what He did, remember He's already written this in the earlier part of His letter that Jesus came and He He died for them for their sins, that we've been made alive because of Christ, that God's deposited the Holy Spirit in us as the guarantee or the deposit of our inheritance to come, and He's saying. Since you've heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from Him, you need to change. You need to change. Because 
God's ways are different from your old ways. You've experienced the truth of Christ, that changing power and transformation of Jesus. The truth. The word. God's ways are different and we can no longer live in our old lives. We've been given new life, made alive in Christ. And God's ways are different from your old ways. There was this way of life which is hopeless and destructive and dangerous. And then there's God's way of life which is different. And you need to mature and walk through the process. In fact, the old ways, the old ways, Paul said, are full of darkness. There's no sense of shame. And there's this impurity. It's just a terrible, horrible, dark lifestyle but because of christ and the transformation that he's made in your life you need to step away from that lifestyle and walk in the new life that he has for you see the unbelievers had closed their minds that were full of darkness well believers had found the light of christ and were given his wisdom unbelievers were far away from the life of God, while believers had been made one with Him through Christ. The unbeliever had shut their minds and hardened their hearts, while the believers had received access to the full knowledge of the truth and had welcomed Christ into their hearts. That the old ways of life, the way you were, was full of darkness, no sense of shame and impurity. And we begin to see this in other pieces of Scripture, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Satan, Paul's writing to the church, Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the mind of those who don't believe. They have been blinded. He's blinded the mind of those who don't believe. They were unable to see the glorious light of the good news. But you have seen that light and have been transformed. They are unable to see. It's full of darkness. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ who is the exact likeness of God. They don't understand. They can't comprehend. That their world and their life is so full of darkness that they can't see the light. The old way of life. But the new way is much different. God's way is different. In Romans, we read these words that Paul writes, Yes, 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 they knew God. They knew God. But they wouldn't worship Him as God or even give Him thanks they knew him but they wouldn't worship him as god they wouldn't give him thanks and they began to think up foolish ideas of what god was like as a result as a result their minds became dark and confused because they didn't acknowledge who god was or worship him for who he is their minds became dark and confused the old way of life is full of darkness So God abandoned them to do whatever shameful things their hearts desired. Their world was full of darkness, no sense of shame. Whatever shameful things their hearts desired. As a result, they did vile and degrading things with each other's bodies. They traded the truth about God for a lie. They traded the truth about God for a lie. So they worshipped and served the things God created instead of the Creator Himself. 
They worship the things God created instead of the creator himself who is worthy of eternal praise. Amen, Paul writes. The old way of life was full of darkness, no sense of shame, impurity, lust, everything about me, me, me. And this mindset was creeping into the church. Paul's saying, friends, it's time for change. Christ has revealed new life to you and you can't live in your old life you need to live in this new life it's not what you learned about jesus it's not what you learned from him who is the truth who is the way who is the life so god calls you to a new way of life see the old way is dark but god calls you to a new way of life in christ this new way of life it's transformational it changes our lives yet we often try to creep back to where we were and paul saying no live in the new life it's time for change it's time for change and transformation not living in darkness but living in light living in fullness living in the freedom that god has given us not bound God calls you to a new way of life. Let's look at these scriptures. Romans 6. Since we we have been united with him in his death, we will also be raised to life as he was. Since we've been united with him in death, we will also be raised to life. Raised with, sorry, be raised to life as he was. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. Did you hear that? We know, we know that our old sinful lives, our old selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. It's time for change to live in this new life. We are no longer slaves to sin. For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. We are no longer slaves to sin. We are no longer living in darkness. We are living in the light. In the life of Christ. For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. Do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to sinful desires. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead... Instead, friends, give yourself completely to God. For you were dead, but now you have new life. Ephesians 2, right? We once were dead in our sins and transgressions, but now because of Christ, we've been made alive. For you once were, for you were dead, but now you have new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. It's time for change. To do what is right for the glory of God. It's time for change. Sin is no longer your master. For you no longer live under the requirement of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. In Christ, there's a new life. Yet, we try to get over here, back to where we once were. And Paul's saying, no, friends, it's time to change. It's a process. Don't walk backwards. Walk forwards. Walk in this new life. We continue reading in Romans chapter 13. The night is almost gone. The day of salvation will soon be here. Remember, God's ways are different. God's calling you to a new life. 
The night is almost gone. The day of salvation will soon be here. So remove your dark deeds like dirty clothes. Get rid of those dark deeds, dirty clothes, and put on the shining armor of right living. Get rid of the dark, dirty clothes and put on the shining armor of right living. Because you belong to the day, we must live decent lives for all to see. Don't participate in the darkness of wild parties and drunkenness or in sexual promiscuity and immoral living or in quarreling and jealousy. Instead, instead, clothe yourself with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ and do not let yourselves think about ways to indulge your evil desires. Take off the dirty clothes and clothe yourself in the presence of the Lord Jesus in the new life that he has God's calling you to a new life to walk in this new life as children of light not of darkness Colossians Paul writes put on your new nature put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him Paul's challenging the church to be more and more and more like Jesus. To walk away from their old life and into their new life. And to do that within unity within the community. And he's challenging you and I. And he's challenging you and I to this. To get off with the old and on with the new. To take off the old and put on the new. To take off the old way of living and to put on the new way of living that God has for us. Because God's ways are different than our old or our sinful nature. That God's calling us to a new life. Off with the old, on with the new. N.T. Wright in his commentary says, Now that they are in Christ, talking about the church, the people, the Gentiles, now that they are in Christ, They have the responsibility in the power of the Spirit to take off the old lifestyle. To take off the old lifestyle. The old way of being human. Like someone stripping off a shabby and worn suit of clothing. So to take off this this old way of life, this old way of being human. Like someone stripping off this shabby and worn suit of clothing. It may have become comfortable. It may have become comfortable. You may be used to it and even quite like it. Familiar old clothes are often like that. And brand new ones often feel a bit strange. They often feel a bit strange. But if you want to live as a new person in and for the king, for Jesus, for God, The old suit of clothes has to come off and the new one has to go on. We need to take off the old and put on the new. We need to. We have to. When I was in high school, I found in my closet, not my closet, the closet at my house, my dad's old sweater. And it fit me like a glove. It was made for me. And I put on this old sweater. And it was so comfortable and warm. I wore it from fall till spring. It kept me warm all winter. It was like wool sweater lined on the inside. And I wore it all the time, everywhere. I love the sweater. After a year, because it was old, it started to fray in the elbows. It started to roll away. 
and you could see the lining inside. And I wore that sweater everywhere I went. My mom said, Jamie, can you please get rid of that sweater? I said, no, I haven't found one I like better, and I'm going to keep wearing this one. And I kept wearing it, and I kept wearing it. Two years later, the sleeve was basically falling off. I still wore it because it was so comfortable. My mom finally got to the point where she said, listen, Jamie, I will buy you a new sweater. Just take the stinking sweater off. I said, but I haven't found one I like because it was so comfortable. Sometimes I think we get in this habit where we get comfortable with where we are. Where it becomes like the sweater we wear. It's warm, it's comfortable. And little do we know, it's, we're way over here serving or not serving God. And Paul's saying, friends, it's time for change. Take off that sweater. Because there's a new sweater. And it's fit for you. It's comfortable. It'll be just as nice. You need to take off the old suit of clothes. Has to come off. And the new one has to go on. I finally found a new sweater. And I took my old one with tears in my eyes and I threw it in the garbage. But I never looked back. And I put on this new wool sweater and I still have it today. And it's so comfortable. I don't wear it as often, so it still looks new. But we have to get rid of the old way of life. We have to take off the old and put on the new. We have to throw off your old sinful nature, Paul says. You need to throw it off. You need to get rid of it. You can't live in that old way of life anymore because God has a new way of life for you. You have to throw off your old sinful nature. You have to take off that sweater and throw it in the garbage. You have to throw it off. He says, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. This is not a a pleasant space. This is not a good thing. Your former way of life is corrupted by lust and deception. You're confused. You're hopeless. You want everything for yourself. So get rid of that lifestyle and embrace the new one that God has. In fact... I just said it, but Paul would say, get rid of it. Get rid of it. Let me give you an illustration. How many of you, when your child was a baby, changed the diaper? I I changed my son's diaper and my daughter's diaper. And about two years old, no, 18 months, when they started eating real food, the diaper really changed. It was no longer pleasant. Hear this, okay? It was stinky and gross. But when I changed that diaper, the one thing I never did was left it sitting on the change table. Could you imagine that? Oh my goodness, how gross would that be? The next day when you walk in to put, or that night when you go to put your, your child to bed, it's like, oh, you get rid of it, right? Am I right? I mean, if somebody changed a diaper here and left it sitting on the change room open, they didn't roll it up, they left it open for all to see. Get rid of it. Get rid of it. Because it stinks and it's gross and it's dirty and it's ugh. 
You don't want to keep it. You get rid of it. Paul saying our old way of life stinks. It's dirty. It's gross. So don't keep it sitting on the change table. Get rid of it. Get rid of it. Get it out. Get it gone. Throw it in the garbage. Lose it. Drop it and leave it and go towards the new. Get rid of it. Colossians, he says, but now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malice, behavior, malice behavior, slander, and dirty language. Get rid of it. This is your former way of life. Get rid of it. Get rid of it. Get rid of it. Don't lie to each other for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. And then we already read verse 10 when he says, and put on your new nature that's in Christ and become more and more and more like him. Get rid of it. Take that dirty, stinky diaper, wrap it up, put it in the diaper genie, and throw it away. Take your old life. Gross, dark, no sense of shame, impure, lustful, and throw it away. Get rid of it. Don't walk back to it. Get rid of it. Don't leave it on the side so maybe you could go back to it later and see how it is. Get rid of it. And put on your new nature. Get rid of it. And put on your new nature. Instead Paul says. Let the spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature. Created to be. Your new nature. Created to be like God. Truly righteous and holy. Put on your new nature. How do you put on your new nature? It begins by renewing your mind. Renew your mind. Renew your mind. Renew your mind, your thoughts and your attitudes. Renew your mind. Instead, instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and your attitudes. Let the Spirit renew your thoughts and your attitudes. N.T. Wright, in his commentary, says, But the truth is that genuine Christianity opens the mind, as Paul has been saying throughout this letter, and in its companion piece, the letter to Colossus, which is Colossians, so that it can grasp truth at deeper and deeper levels. Renewing your mind. It, it's a matter of the heart and mind being open to the ever wider range of insight and imagination that comes with learning the King or learning about Jesus and becoming more and more like Him. Luch, in his commentary, says, Without Christ, the mind is darkened and bent by carnal desires. With Christ, on the other hand, the mind is renewed so as to understand what true humanity is when lived in its fullness in connection to Father, the Father, Son, and Spirit. Allow God to renew your mind, to take off the old, to get rid of it, and to put on the new, renewing your mind, your thoughts, your attitudes, or as Paul writes in Romans chapter 12, don't copy the patterns and customs of the world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Or as the NIV translates, it says, do not conform to the patterns of this world, but, circle it, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. By the renewing of your mind, the way that you think, your attitude, and your will. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Off with the old, 
on with the new. Put, throw away, get rid of your old nature and embrace and put on that new nature, renewing your mind. Oh, that's great. But how do I live in the new nature? And Paul says, oh, don't worry, I've got that covered too. And I want to suggest five things. Living in your new nature. Paul goes on after he says, guys, get rid of the old nature. Walk in the new. Don't turn around and walk back. Walk in the new nature. Grow in the process to know God more and more and become more and more like Jesus. He says, when you're living in that new nature here, let me give you a few things to help you out. He says, be honest. How do I live in this new nature? Well, it's, it's, it's great. Be honest. What do you mean be honest? Be honest. Listen to what Paul says. Stop telling lies. Stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth. Don't lie to people. Be honest. For we are all part of the same body. Don't lie. Be honest. Luch says his starting point for this is our speech. I mean, Paul's starting point is our speech. The way we use words. Specifically, the issue of lying words. Lying is a, most, is a most destructive behavior in a community. It is the earliest form of deception found in the biblical story. The evil one, whom Paul will later call the devil, lied about the character of God to the man and woman in the garden. Lying destroys trust and leads to the severance of relationships and is to be avoided at all costs in God's community. Paul's saying, hey, if you want to live in your new nature within unity and within the community, be honest with each other. Stop lying to each other. Tell each other the truth. Be able to receive it, but tell each other the truth. Stop lying. In fact, we see this in Zechariah chapter 8, and this is where Paul's pointing to in Scripture. He says, but this is what you must do. Tell the truth to each other. It's very simple. Tell the truth to each other. Render verdicts in your court that are just and that lead to peace. Tell the truth with each other. Don't scheme against each other. Stop your love for telling lies that you swear are the truth. Listen to these words. I hate all these things, says the Lord. Stop lying. Be honest, living within unity within the community and living in this new nature that God has called us to. Paul's saying, guys, here's one step. Be honest. Stop lying. Be honest. Here's number two. Be in control. Be in control. Be in control. And don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry for Anger gives a foothold to the devil. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us that we shouldn't feel angry, but it points out that it's important to handle our anger properly. If we get angry, we must do so without sinning. In control. I'm in control. Every time I hear the words in control, because I love the Muppets when I grew up as a kid, I still love the Muppets now. When the movie came out a few years ago, Animal was in anger management because he was playing the drums too hard. And all he kept saying was, In control! 
piano will play the drums. Drums, drums, in control. We need to be in control. Don't let anger control you. Don't let anger control you. We must be in control. Proverbs 19 says these words. Sensible people, sensible people, control their temper. They earn respect by overlooking wrongs. They're in control. Now, when I say in control, it doesn't mean that you control your life. You're still submitted to to God and to Jesus. But you're in control of your anger. You're not blowing up. and Your temper and your anger is not controlling you. You're in control of it. We need to be honest. We need to be in control. Paul says, in fact, that anger that is not allowed, that is allowed to smolder and burn over time can eventually burst into a flame that gives a mighty foothold to the devil causing people to sin because they become bitter and resentful. We need to be in control. We need to be honest. We need to be in control. Third thing Paul suggests is that we need to be generous. See, he always counters, he's, he's telling the, the, the one side of your old life and the new life, your old life and the new life, right? The, the old life, you get angry, but out of control, the new life, you need to be in control. The old life, you lied. The new life, you be honest. The, the, the new life, you be generous he says if you are a thief quit stealing lays it out clearly friends if you are a thief quit stealing instead use your hands for good hard work and then give generously to others in need be generous the commentary that i read says in most cases a reference to stealing or a thief in the new testament concerns a bandit or a person who engages in stealing as a livelihood Paul explained that such a person who became a believer had to throw off that old lifestyle and make a change, turning to honest work in order to make a living, but then be generous. Give generously to others in need. When we read the early church, I mean, we read that they sold their possessions so that they could give to others so that no one had need to be generous. Giving is at the heart of Christianity. We hold lightly to our possessions because we have treasures in heaven and we need to give generously we find unity within community and living in this new life when we be honest with each other when we be in control in control of our anger when we be generous with one another then we see need and we help it and we meet it we be encouraging we be encouraging his words are powerful we be encouraging. Don't use, Paul says, abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful. Ooh. This is be good and helpful. So that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. This is a challenge for every one of us. Our words have the power to destroy or to lift up people. Our words have the ability to hurt someone or to help someone. We need to fight the temptation to tear down with what we say and how we speak. Instead, we need to lift people up with encouragement. We find unity within the community when we're honest, when we're in control, when we're generous, and when we're being encouraging and we're encouraging people. There was a believer in the early church named Barnabas, one of Paul's closest and dearest associates. 
His name means son of encouragement. And I'm sure that Paul probably had Barnabas in mind when he wrote this letter or pieces of it. He talks of Barnabas as building others up. Instead of saying that they are useless, they say that they are useful. Instead of saying that someone's worthless, they say that, no, you're valuable. Instead of saying they'll never amount to anything, they say that person has a purpose. Looking for the good, encouraging, speaking of. Philippians says these words. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing Paul says. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about these things that are excellent and worthy of praise. And I believe that as we fix our thoughts on what's true, honorable, right, and pure, and holy, that we'll begin to speak encouragement and life into people and not speak destruction and and destroy and tear down, but we'll lift people up. Paul says, be encouraging. Be encouraging. Be encouraging. Be generous. Be in control. Be honest. And lastly, be kind. Be kind. How do we live the new life? How do we find unity and community in this new way of living? We be kind with one another. We be kind to each other. Get rid, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Get rid of all of that stuff. Instead, be kind to each other. Be kind to each other. Tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Be kind to one another. Be kind. Be encouraging. Be generous. Be in control. And be honest. See, Paul's saying, strip off, get rid of this old way of life. Throw it away. Get rid of it. Don't even look back. Put on this new nature that God has given you in Christ. Renew your mind and your thinking. Become more and more like Him. Engage in the process and become more and more like Him. And as you live in that new life, friends, be honest. Be in control. Be encouraging, be generous, and be kind, compassionate, and forgiving to one another. Worship team, if you come this morning as we close. Now, I understand that we're all in the process of change. We're all in the process of living out this new life in Christ. And that we're on this journey together. But friends, I have two questions to ask you this morning. The first one is this. Are there pieces in your old life that you are hanging on to? Have maybe you just put that dirty diaper just a little bit away that you could still reach it? Or maybe you've left the sweater on because it's so comfortable and you just don't want to give it up. Even though the new one is better, more comfortable. Are there pieces of your old life that you're hanging on to? And I would encourage you this morning, if there are, to let it go. To throw it off. To get rid of it. And to put on the new nature that God's called and given to you. Renew your mind in Christ. Allow Him to transform your heart and your mind, your thinking and your attitude. And begin the process of finding unity within the community, living in the new life 
as children of God. The second question I have this morning is this. What areas of your life do you need to adjust in order to live in your new nature? Honesty? Control? Generosity? Encouragement? Kindness? Forgiveness? I can't answer the question for you. I can only answer the question for myself. When you look at your life, friends, it's time for change. Where do you need to change? Where do you, personally, where is it that you need to change? And so I insist, and God backs me on this, that there be no going along with the crowd, the empty-headed, mindless crowd. They've refused for so long to deal with God that they've lost touch, not only with God, but with reality itself. They can't think straight anymore. Feeling no pain, they let themselves go in sexual obsession, addicted to every sort of perversion. But, but, that is no life for you. You learned Christ. My assumption is that you have paid careful attention to Him. Been well instructed in the truth, precisely as we have it in Jesus. Since then... We do not have the excuse of ignorance. Everything, and I do mean everything, connected with that old way of life has to go. It is rotten through and through. Get rid of it and take on an entirely new way of life. A God-fashioned life. A life renewed from the inside and working itself into your conduct as God accurately reproduces his character in you let's pray father this morning would you help us would you help us to live as children of light would you help us to live in the new nature to get rid of the old and to embrace the new to renew our minds And to live a God-fashioned life. A life renewed from the inside. And working itself into into our conduct. As you accurately reproduce your character in each one of us. Father, help us. Help us. To live this new life. Help us to be honest. Help us to be in control. Help us to be encouraging. Help us to be generous. Help us to be kind. Forgiving. Father, speak to our hearts where we need to change. And help us to become more and more like you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with me this morning?